Please turn there to Galatians chapter 5. Working our way through. What is that? Okay. Galatians chapter 5, verses 2, 3, and 4. I've entitled this message, Losing, Leavening, and Loving. Losing, Leavening, and Loving. Galatians 5, beginning in verse 2. Huh? Galatians? Galatians? Oh, leavening. <laughs> L-E-A-V-E-N. Leaven, like yeast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, where are we? Verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, he's a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Now, again, we're talking about losing and then leavening and loving. And we lose all kinds of things. Uh, You lose your keys. You lose your TV remotes. You lose your cool. You lose your mind. You lose control. Some people, as we talked about tonight, believe you can lose your salvation. Uh, And sometimes, uh, if somebody scares you, or somebody makes you angry, you say, you know what? I lost it. I lost it. Well, there was a taxi passenger who tapped the driver on the shoulder to ask him a question. Well, the driver screamed. He lost control of the car, nearly hit a bus, went up on the sidewalk, and stopped inches from crashing through a store window. For a second, everything went quiet in the cab. Then the driver said, look, man. Don't ever do that to me again. You scared the daylights out of me. Well, the passenger apologized and said he didn't realize that a little tap on the shoulder could scare him so much. The driver replied, sorry, it's not really your fault. Today's my first day as a cab driver. I've been driving a hearse for 25 years and nobody ever tapped on my shoulder. That's an old joke, but it's funny. So let's look at losing, losing. Paul mentions falling from grace in verse 4. Almost looks like he's saying you can lose your salvation, right? What does he say? Whoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. It looks like somebody's losing their salvation. In fact, many have used this verse as a proof text to indicate your salvation can be lost. And they even say that. They call it falling from grace. Well, the word fallen here in Greek literally means to drop away or to be driven off course. So fallen from grace means to drop away or to be driven off course. And by seeking to earn God's favor through works of the law, God's grace would no longer be necessary. And I don't know if you remember the context of Galatians. We've been talking about this for months now. The Judaizers, uh, they were specifically talking about uh, circumcision, but they really had the whole Old Testament law in, in eventual mind. We're going to talk about that. But anyway, the idea is if Paul is saying, well, if you're going to use the law, if that's how you're going to get saved then what use is grace? Who needs grace? It would no longer be necessary. And Paul goes on to say in verse 3 that trusting circumcision is to trust in all the law. Look in verse 3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, he is a debtor to do the whole law. See, they were just on the surface. It was circumcision. But then Paul brings it out. He says, I know where you're going with this. This is just your first step. And then you're going to try to bring in the whole Old Testament and try to make us obey all those rules and regulations. 
Trusting the law is not to trust in God's grace. So if God's grace is unnecessary, so is Christ. Look in verse 2. Behold, I say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. And so if you don't need God's grace, you don't need Christ. He's unnecessary. And to adopt works-based salvation is to renounce Christ. If anybody, you're talking about your family member believing in baptismal regeneration, if you, if they or anybody thinks you are saved by your works, whether it's baptism, whether it's the Lord's Supper, whether it's being a good person, helping old ladies across the street. Sorry if there's any old ladies here. I didn't notice you. But anyway, whatever it is, if you think that good deed or that series of good deeds is going to save you, you're renouncing Christ. He's the only Savior. What did he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. But if you're going through your own good works, you're not going through Christ. Grace is one way to be saved. And the law is another. Now, we know there's only one way to be saved, by grace, through faith. But I'm saying, in Paul's context here, he's saying, okay, you can have grace, you can be saved by grace, or you can try to be saved by the law. There are two opposite things here. To pursue the law, you must reject grace. Jesus Christ is all one needs to be saved. Jesus and him alone. You want to be saved? Jesus. That's it. Nothing else. He is our only hope of righteousness by faith. Look in verse 5. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. He's the only way. Circumcision or uncircumcision is spiritually irrelevant. Look in verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. And so when it comes to circumcision, if you don't know what that is, we can talk, you know, offline about that. But anyway, whether you're circumcised or not, it is spiritually irrelevant. The status of one's outer body does not matter to God. Again, those who believe in baptismal regeneration, baptism is something that happens to the outside of the body. That's irrelevant to God as far as your spiritual, uh, your spiritual circumstance is concerned. We must have faith. And faith is an expression of love. Again, look back to verse 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. We must have faith, which is an expression of love. God loves us, so guess what he gives us? He gives us faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. God loves us, so he gives us faith. We love God, so we exercise our faith in him. We take that faith and we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried for our sins, and he rose again the third day. It is not Christ plus anything. It is Christ alone or not at all. Salvation can neither be won nor can it be lost. God saves those whom he chooses and those whom God saves he keeps forever. And so Paul is not talking about losing your salvation here, falling from grace as it were. But he's saying if you choose to save yourself following good works, then you have veered off course from grace. Grace alone Through Christ alone, that is how we're saved.
so losing. But secondly, let's look at leavening in verse 9. Leavening. Now, leaven or yeast was a Jewish symbol. It was a symbol for sin or uncleanness, but it was also another symbol, and it was for something of which a little bit goes a long way. Let's look at verse 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And you probably know this if you've ever made anything that rises, like a, you know baking bread or something. You don't put a, a pound of yeast in a loaf of bread, just a little bit. And you work it in the dough, and it does its thing. That's the idea here. And so whether it's a little bit of sin or something else, a little bit that goes a long way, that was a symbol of leaven. Well, the Judaizers were injecting their heresy a little at a time. Just like putting a little serving of, of yeast in there, the proper amount to the loaf of bread. Just a little bit at a time. But Paul indicates that just a little yeast affects the entire loaf. Individuals are being affected one at a time. And pretty soon the entire church would be affected. A little bit of heresy is like a little bit of sin. A small amount works its way to infect the entire person. Individuals become more desensitized and less satisfied. For instance, when it comes to doing drugs, and I'm not talking about you know, medical drugs prescribed by your doctor. I'm talking about illicit drugs. So the first time somebody offers you a drug, you're shocked. I can't believe somebody would offer me drugs like that. And then you try it. Hey, that was all right. And before you know it, you're addicted. Started out just as a little offer. Hey, try this. Or gambling. You find out a casino is coming to town. I know we got a casino just up the road here. In fact, I just learned a couple weeks ago that Waldorf used to be like, like a big-time casinos and big-time entertainers and all. I didn't know that. <laughs> what happened? Uh, I mean, I don't think that would be good for us, but I mean, I just was shocked to learn that because all I know about Waldorf is, uh, you know, the, the Wigwam Bakery and the mall. That's like all I know up there. But the fact of the matter is gambling, so you hear there's a casino coming, you're shocked. Or the new scratch-offs are coming, you know, and you're shocked. Why Why in the world is the government promoting gambling? And then you go ahead and spend five bucks and you win. And before you know it, you're addicted to it. Starts out real little, just a little thing. And then it grows. You say the same thing about illicit sex. I mean, just, you know, uh, it starts out as an offer and you're shocked. And then before you know it, you lose control. As I mentioned this morning, we must live holy lives. God says, you be holy even as I am holy, saith the Lord. And so a little bit of sin, like a little bit of heresy, it can affect the entire person. It can affect the entire church. We must always be on guard. And this is true in all of life, both positively and negatively. By the way, Jesus used leaven not only to illustrate evil like Paul is here, but even to illustrate good. Go with me to Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is talking here, and in verse 33, he's telling a parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of wheat till the whole was leavened. Now, he's talking about a good thing there, the kingdom of heaven. Talking about, you know, sharing your faith, just a little bit here, a little bit there, and it grows the kingdom. But he also used leaven to illustrate evil. So stay in Matthew, go to chapter 16 and verse 6, where Jesus says, 
take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so he used leaven both ways, positively and negatively. So just a little pot, just a little porn, just a little alcohol, just a little cursing, just a little gossip can snowball. But let's look at the other side. Just a little kindness, just a little prayer, just a little Bible reading can also go a long way. In fact, think about this. If you pray or read your Bible just 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. Now, I know you're busy. I guarantee you have 10 minutes a day. At the end of the year, if you have prayed 10 minutes a day, you will have spent 60 hours in prayer. If you read your Bible just 10 minutes a day at the end of the year, you will have spent 60 hours reading your Bible. And so it works both ways. A little bit goes a long way, positively and negatively. Well, let's get back to the Judaizers. As the Judaizers wanted to cut off through circumcision, Paul wanted the Judaizers cut off. Look at verse 12. I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. So he's really getting right at the, the heart of the matter there. Circumcision, as I mentioned earlier, was just the beginning. Eventually, they would seek to implement the entire Old Testament law, thus making the sacrifice of Christ irrelevant. Look in verse 4. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. And so their foot in the door was this circumcision thing. And then once they got everybody convinced about circumcision, then it was going to be the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And pretty soon, there would be no grace and there would be no need for Christ. They'd be right back where they started as Jews. And so, we see, first of all, losing. And then we see, secondly, leavening. Let's look finally at loving. We are truly free in Christ. Look at verse 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And so we are truly free in Christ. We are free from the law. We are free from the curse of sin. We are free from the bondage of the law. We are free from the condemnation of the law. We are free from the frustration of trying to earn God's favor through the law. And we are free to follow the law or not follow the law. Circumcision, as the example Paul uses here, circumcision is fine. If that's what you want to do. But uncircumcision is fine too. We are free to follow the law. And we are free to not follow the law. This may interest you. Go to Acts chapter 16. As adamant as Paul is against circumcision. All through the book of Galatians. We're going to read here in Acts chapter 16 and verse 3. That Paul had Timothy circumcised. <laughs> what? I thought Paul was against circumcision. And yet Paul has Timothy, as an adult, submit to circumcision. Paul, excuse me, Timothy uh, was not raised uh, Jewish. He was raised Gentile. And uh, his mom became a believer, and he later became a believer as well. But uh, there was no need, as a believer in Christ, no need to be circumcised. And yet Paul tells Timothy, hey, we're going to Jerusalem. I need you to do me a favor. It's a big favor. <laughs> Need you to get circumcised. Look here, Acts chapter 16, verse 3. Him would Paul have to go forth with him 
and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. Now, what was Paul's purpose? Was it to save Timothy? Was it to bring in all the Old Testament law? No, it wasn't that at all. It was to, felici- it was to facilitate fellowship with the Jews. I don't know if they had a card or something they would flash, just like, you know, they want to have this COVID passport. I don't know if you had to flash your card, yeah, I've been circumcised, whatever. Somehow they knew. Or maybe they would just ask. If Timothy walked in there with Paul, they knew Paul, they respected Paul as far as his Judaism was concerned. Uh, But when this guy shows up, maybe they would ask Paul, like, it's a personal question, but has he been circumcised? I don't know how they how they determined it, but Paul knew it might come up and it probably would come up in conversation. And so to facilitate the fellowship with the Jews, Paul said, big favor, Timothy, get circumcised. But salvation, Timothy's salvation was not in view here. Paul's not trying to get Timothy saved by circumcising him, saved by baptizing him, as we talked about earlier. This is just because the Jews of that day would have made a huge, huge deal about this and Paul knew it. So we're free to follow the law. We're free to not follow the law. Now, I don't know, you might get in trouble with the local government, but, I mean, if you want to sacrifice a lamb or something like that, if you want to do that, I mean, it'd be okay. I'm not telling you to go home and do it. I'm just saying, if that's what you want to do, if uh, you want to have the male children in your, in your family circumcised, that's fine, but not as a means of grace, not as a, a matter of working towards salvation, Uh, And so you can follow the Old Testament law or not. We are not to use our freedom to sin, though. Let's get clear on that. We are not to use our freedom to sin. We are free from sin. We are not free to sin. And with freedom comes responsibility. We are free in Christ to live responsibly for Christ. We are to live for the one who has made us free. So let's live for him. Let's not live for us. A lot of times we start talking about liberty and freedom, particularly in Christian circles. It's just all about what I can do, what I can get away with. Well, let's not live for us. Let's live for him. He's the one who set us free. But notice what else Paul says here. We are to use our freedom to love each other. We are to use our freedom uh, to love each other. I've lost my place here. Verse 13. Brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for occasion to the flesh. It's not about me. But by love, serve one another. We must fulfill the intent of the Old Testament law by loving each other. Look at verse 14. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says this is how we take the whole Old Testament law, all those rules and regulations. He said, let's just boil it down to one, love one another. We must ensure that the exercise of our freedom, though, is not another's stumbling block. And so we are free in Christ, absolutely, but the fact of the matter is expressing our freedom may trip somebody else up. We must be careful not to do that. Why? Because we need to love them. And if you love somebody, you're not going to trip them up. Paul writes about this elsewhere in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 where he says, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. We are to show our love for each other by serving each other. And we are to perform acts of love for one another. Because when we serve others in love, we serve Christ. 
So I want to challenge you tonight to perform some random act of love this week for your neighbor. You say, well, who is my neighbor? Well, remember, somebody asked Jesus that. And Jesus ends up telling the story of the, of the Good Samaritan. And when you get to the conclusion of the parable, you learn, who is my neighbor? Anybody, everybody is your neighbor. And so whoever your neighbor is could be anybody. I want you to do some random act of love for them this week. Not to get them to come to church, although that'd be fine. But don't let that be your purpose. Well, I'm going to be nice so that they come to church. Just do it to show genuine love. We hear these kind of stories all the time, and this one happens to be from 2006. But on December 4, 2006, manning a 50 caliber machine gun in the turret of a Humvee, Private First Class Ross McGinnis could see the insurgent on a rooftop fling a hand grenade at his vehicle. He shouted and tried to deflect the hand grenade, but it fell inside the Humvee where four of his friends were. What followed was a stunning act of self-sacrifice. McGinnis, a 19-year-old from Knox, Pennsylvania, and the youngest soldier in his unit threw himself backwards onto the grenade, absorbing the blast with his body. He was killed instantly. The others escaped serious injury. As a result, he was awarded the Silver Star posthumously. Now that's an act of love. Jesus would say, greater love hath no man than he laid down his life for his friends. This guy, he could have just moved aside and let the blast go off. would have killed all four of those guys. He'd have been fine. Instead, he showed his love. He fell on that grenade. And those four men lived to tell about it. And I don't know what happened to them, but they probably went home to their families. I don't necessarily challenge you to lay on a grenade this week. But find some way to show your love. I'm not talking about for your husband or your wife. I mean, that's, that goes without saying. I'm talking about somebody else, your neighbor, which could be your husband or wife, but I mean your neighbor. And again, don't do it with any ulterior motives, like getting them to come to church. Just do it because it's the right thing to do. Show your love for them. You know, Jesus didn't just go around saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. He showed it. He demonstrated his love. And so I want to challenge you to demonstrate your love this week for somebody. And who knows how God may use that. And so we see losing, not losing salvation. You can't lose your salvation. God doesn't give stuff and take stuff away like that, particularly our salvation. Paul's very clear in Philippians 1.6 that uh, God finishes what he starts. But if you're going to take the route of good works, particularly the Old Testament, well, you veered off course. That's what the word fallen away means. You veered off course from grace. Don't do that. Without grace, we got nothing. God's grace. So losing, then we looked at leavening. A little bit goes a long way. Remember, not just with evil, but also with good. A little bit can go a long way. And then we looked at loving. We are free in Christ. Christ has made us truly free. Let us use our freedom 
to love one another. And not only to love one another here, but to love those folks out there. And let's just see what amazing things God will do when we begin to truly show we love them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together tonight to sing your praises, to hear your word. Thank you that we are free in Christ. We're not responsible for keeping all that Old Testament law because you took care of it for us. But that doesn't mean we can just live however we want. We are to live our lives in freedom and yet in such a way that brings glory, honor, and praise to you. Give us opportunities this week to demonstrate genuine love for others. Thank you for showing us your love. Through Christ we pray. Amen.